It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good day, everybody. I'm your host, Kellyanne Halverson, here today with the Fan Effect podcast. And I found out last minute that yesterday was my co-host, Andy Farnsworth's birthday. And I wanted to get to know a little bit about him. So I forced him into our guest chair here today. Welcome, Andy. Thanks. It's a bit of a role reversal. I'm used to sitting in front of all the controls and you get to relax in the chair. And now I kind of get to relax. Yeah. And I'm excited because I get to learn a little bit more about you because I'm um, just new to this whole hosting thing. And it's been so much fun getting to know about you. I just um, want to say, though, first thing, I, I, that <laughs> I'm doing this under protest because this is not <laughs> he really this is. show is not about me um but you insisted and i thought mm-hmm. okay you know uh as i thought back to be quite honest we've been doing this podcast for four years mm-hmm. under a couple of different names and i don't think we've ever really taken the time i mean over the course of time if you go back and listen to all the archive you'll learn a lot of things about me of course but mm-hmm. um you know Never have we actually talked specifically about some things. Maybe people will find out that they have a couple things in common with me that they didn't know they had. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't. And uh, either way, this is a one-time deal. <laughs> we'll so. see about that. <laughs> no, and literally, I'm like, nope, I booked it. The studio is booked for this time. You have to come in. And so I'm making him do this. And it's actually going to be really helpful for me because I'm new to this and I'm new to pitching different ideas for the podcast and doing this. And I wanted to learn more about Andy anyway. Um, and if I did, I'm pretty sure some of the listeners want to learn more about you today. So I'm well, all right. You get this chance. I'll I, give you the shot. I will take this chance and I will run with it. So I want to know. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, though. Okay, I will. That's I don't a, care. 45. Yay. Happy birthday. Thanks. I almost feel like I need to sing. I usually no, end up singing okay. at some point. They sang point. to me at work yesterday. It was good. It was awesome. That's how I found out it was your birthday because he didn't tell me, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but I think this will also be good, too, because I want to learn more about the podcast and, like, why you started it. I want to know your fandoms, what your favorite movies are, things like that, so that we can work better together and to put a better podcast out for our wonderful listeners. All right. <laughs> so well, tell what do you me, want to know first? First of all, tell me a little about yourself and why you consider yourself, you know, a Salt Lake fanboy or the Salt Lake fanboy. Oh, I don't know if I'm the Salt Lake fanboy, <laughs> but no. Uh, so I learned early on, even though I didn't maybe necessarily think about it or realize it specifically at the time, but I've always enjoyed, well, it really kind of started with superhero. I remember the first shows that I really liked on television, even as a kid, mm-hmm. was a show called Space Giants, which is, you'll have to look it up, and Never you can maybe it. even find a clip to insert in here after the fact. It was, it was a, this is late seventies. It's a Japanese, this is when I watched it, it was late seventies. It's a Japanese import show dubbed mm-hmm. in English. So it's all Japanese actors and it is, it's terrible. Like when you watch it, it's not is it bad. Part, part it's, oh no, no, it's live action. It's live action. So okay. you've got Japanese actors who have had English dubbed over it mm-hmm. 
And it's essentially, there's these three giant robots, well, two giant robots, Goldar and Silvar, and they can transform from giant robots into rocket ships. And then the rocket ships fly. And then there was, they have like a little baby rocket ship that's like their child. No. And his name is uh, is Gam. Mm-hmm. And he's like a, just a little kid with a big white helmet on with two antennas coming out of the side when he's in his boy form. Uh-huh. And then he transforms into this little rocket ship. And then he has a, a, just a regular human friend named uh, Miko. Okay. And when Miko was in trouble, he had this whistle he could blow on and it would summon the space giants. You can find it on YouTube. I might need to look this up. It's, I mean, it's it's cringingly bad now, but man, as a four and five year old, I love that show. Uh-huh. And there were the the bad guys. I I don't even remember all the details, but I remember the bad guys were Lugu men. I, they were. I, I I don't know. I I don't even know how to spell it. Honestly, if I had to look it up, I don't even know how to spell that. But I knew that was their name. And they were just like guys dressed, and they had like black pantyhose pulled over their face, so they were faceless. Oh, no. They were faceless, and they were dressed all in black, and they had gloves, and they were the bad guys. And I mean, the closest thing I think of it is the dubbed portions of Power Rangers mm-hmm. looked very similar to this, only it was even, it was like 19, early 1970s Japanese style. So grainy footage, and the sync was really bad on the, I mean, they're speaking Japanese, obviously, and mm-hmm. dubbing over it, but it was like, when people make fun of bad dubs in martial arts movies, that's what it looks like. But and then they'd fight some, you know, the, the fight between the giant robot and the, well, the stereotypical and the guy. big. Yep, and then you've crushing got like a model city. town in front of them, and that's what they'd fight over. <laughs> I, love it. I loved that show. Uh huh. So lucky I was able to go back and look at YouTube and find the example of this giant robot show, and Andy was. Exactly right. It looks so cheesy, but so wonderful at the same time because it does remind me of like watching Power Rangers as a kid. So real quick, here is the intro of that show to get the feel, the vibe of what he's talking about. From the far reaches of outer space comes a threat to planet Earth. Mankind faces its most powerful enemy, the mastermind Rodak. The Space Giants. Goldar, a 50-foot robot, and his electronic space family are created to defend our world. Okay, now back to the conversation. And then the first cartoon I remember really loving and had to watch every day was called Battle of the Planets, mm-hmm. which was also a Japanese import. I didn't know this at the time. This was another Japanese import cartoon. It's probably I've known you for two years, and I had no clue that you were into these type of things. <laughs> early manga, essentially, mm-hmm. and it was the Japanese version of it was called Gachamon, which I also did not know until I was twenty five years old because <laughs> I only saw what was on. Uh-huh. It's called Battle of the Planets. It was kind of an attempt to capitalize on Star Wars's fame. It's about nineteen seventy eight. Um, I'd love to do an episode about Battle of the Planets, Gatchaman, but I got to finish watching the entire series, which I didn't. Again, I just watched what was on. It was on TV. Yeah, because it's a different time. Yeah. It, so the original is science ninja team Gatchaman. They were like five teenagers who were like trained in ninja, and they had this awesome ship called the Phoenix uh-huh. that had each each of the members of the team. There was, well, I guess it depends on which version you're watching, but there was, there was Mark, Jason, Princess, Tiny, and Kiop. And each one had like a different 
one rode a motorcycle, one flew a jet, one drove a race car, one drove like this weird dune buggy sort of tractor looking thingy. And then tiny. That's so stereotypical. It was Voltron. It. Vol- Voltron's uh-huh. a huge copy of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, when one. I first saw Voltron, I thought, this is like Battle of the Planets. But anyway, those were the two first real things that you could consider things under fandom. But I was watching those when I was four. I just didn't know. I just liked them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know maybe why I liked them. I just knew I liked watching them every day. I watched Super Friends when it was on, mm-hmm. the cartoon. Saturday morning cartoons is where I got exposed to a lot of some of the things that would later turn me into a fan. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Huge one for me. Well, I'm sure we'll cover that in greater detail. But, <laughs> um, you know, got, I got Star Wars toys mm-hmm. when I was... Five years old. I, I turns out I got these little Mego Pocket superheroes. I remember these. Uh-huh. I got the Hulk and I got Batman. And I remember. Let's see. Well, anyway, nobody cares what my siblings had except my siblings who are probably listening to this. But, but I loved playing with action figures. I loved watching. I loved stuff that was heroic. I liked watching heroes defeat evil. Mm-hmm. I always liked that. And so later on in life, you know, He Man. I liked that cartoon a lot. Got the toys when I was turning eight. Um, and then I, I eventually I became good friends with a, a kid who lived in my neighborhood, but on the other side of a busy street. And um, we kind of got to know each other through Cub Scouts. Well, he was as big a fan of all these scenes. He was an only child. Mm-hmm. He's actually been a guest on the podcast before. Uh, and then, but I was one of five, so I was glad to get away from my siblings and go hang out with him. He was glad to have someone come and hang out with him, and his parents gave him every toy I had ever seen, oh, every jealous. single one. It was so cool and. You know, I remember the first time I went over to his house, he's like, yeah, come on in. And he's like, do you want to play He-Man? And I was like, sure, I have a couple of He-Man guys. And, he's, and, and then he shows me, like, the whole collection. Oh, my gosh. I was like, whoa. That'd be my dream as a kid. But not, was, not He-Man. It was pretty cool. And, you know, a lot of the fandom things that I did were thanks to this good friend of mine, Chris. A lot of the things that we did then over the years that kind of cemented the the things that I'm a fan of or that essentially built the library in my brain that I use mm-hmm. on the podcast all the time were things that I did with him mm-hmm. and you know my older brother and my younger brother we all kind of liked the same stuff and it just stuck around yeah. I mean I, I have a really good memory I don't have an eidetic memory but I have a memory that I if it's something I like I don't have to see it five times for it to stick in my brain if that makes sense I can watch something that's funny one time and it's like a kind of Make a mental note. Well, that line was funny. I need to remember that. See, I'm opposite. I get so involved in what I'm watching, I will literally leave the movie sometimes and have no memory of what the movie was about, but know that I love it. So I have to stop. Really? Yeah. It's awful. We were at Disney one time with my family, and my dad asked me as we're getting ready, what was your favorite thing about yesterday? I couldn't remember anything we'd done the day before. <laughs> wow. But, I'm like, the opposite. I'd be like, they, they, well, first I did this, no. then I did this. But I have the passion. It's not quite Sheldon <laughs> level of like remembering specifics, but if it's something that was cool... Mm-hmm. then I want to remember why I liked it. And over time, of course, you know, the brain builds its neural pathways. And I, I can recall, and that's going to be the hardest thing for me since we're talking about birthdays and getting older. Yeah. Someday that's going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be probably the hardest thing I have to deal with is not being able to recall the stuff that I know is in there somewhere mm-hmm. and be able to pull it up as quick. Yeah, that's I just deal with that every day. 
<laughs> but it, it sounds like all these like shows and the toys and playing and these interactions have really helped develop you to who you are today. Well, yeah. And then when I was about 12, I got into comic books a little bit, just collecting them mm -hmm. because there was a comic store that wasn't too far away, a couple miles. And my friend Chris and I would ride bikes to it or we'd get a ride sometime. And then as I became later into my teenage years and I actually had some disposable income, I actually started aggressively collecting mm -hmm. uh, up until until the mid nineties. And then I went on a religious mission and I didn't have any money or time to collect oh, yeah. anymore. And then I got out of collecting, but then in the mid two thousands, the civil war storyline in the comics that mm -hmm. then ended up getting adapted into the Marvel movies. I think I found some issues at a library. Uh -huh. I read through them and I was like, the storyline was so fascinating to me because it, it kind of remember, cause I remember a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So it was making references to these different events and things that I had read in the comics in the eighties and nineties only kind of with a payoff for someone who's an adult and had followed all that. So I was just like, it was so awesome that I actually started for about a three-year span, started collecting comics again. Now that I was married and had three kids, <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> I could only collect certain titles and the price had gone up on them. But, um, and then I finally just, eventually I did run out of money and I, I couldn't do it anymore. So I, I haven't gone back. But thanks to Marvel Unlimited subscriptions, I can pay $60 a year and I can read all the comics that I oh, want or need to when I want awesome. to. So, But I still have that collection. I've hung on to that. I, I, I've i realized over the years that I, I like to collect things, whether yeah. it's I like to collect trivia knowledge in my brain. I liked to collect baseball cards for a while, uh, comic books. Mm -hmm. Then some of these things are embarrassing, but eh, they are who I am. <laughs> when Which, I got back from my religious mission, I'm I so spent excited. a lot of my money on Star Wars toys to collect, but not for me, for my kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't even date anybody yet. <laughs> I was already collecting Star Wars toys for my kids. Do you let but, them play with them? Uh, my rationale at the time was I don't want to have to buy these at collectors' prices when I have kids and they're old enough. If I can buy them at retail now, because that was what happened in the seventies. <laughs> they bought them at retail. Everybody played with them. There was a few that were still on the packages, then those that were fewer than the packages or that were less played with so they were in better shape suddenly became collector's items. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge speculation aspect to it also. I also said I don't want to be somebody that buys two of every figure, one to play with, one to keep in the package. Because A, if everybody does that, it drives the value down on them. Mm -hmm. And B, and, and I read this in probably some toy collecting magazine or something. Toys are meant to be played with. And so right. I didn't I didn't really want enjoying. it to be something where you just stare at it. And that's okay. If somebody wants to just display their stuff, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that if that's what you want to do. I'm just saying that for me, I felt like the reason I wanted these figures in the first place is because I'd had so much fun playing with them. Uh -huh. And I wanted, I wanted my kids to experience the same thing. So, of course, none of them are into playing with the Star Wars toys. <laughs> I mean, I think of all the travel I could have done when I was single. <laughs> I spent it on Star Wars toys I that I still have. And I do let them play with them. In fact, so for our rehearsal dinner for my wife and I, this was 20 years ago, just a couple weeks ago, as a matter uh -huh. of fact, um, we needed centerpieces for it was a family dinner. So I opened up all the Star Wars toys and I put them as centerpieces on all the tables at this big mm -hmm. rehearsal dinner for friends and family and stuff like that. And when I put them out, I was like, okay, I don't want kids, the little kids to ruin my toys. <laughs> They're for kids that we don't have yet, but mm -hmm. now we're probably going to in the next few years. Well, it wasn't the little kids that I had to worry about. It was, the it was all the people my age. They couldn't keep their hands off it. They wouldn't leave them alone. Because these 
these characters impact you and you love them and oh, oh I, I know I, I should have just I just should have known that that's who was going to play the most with it <laughs> but I thought the little kids would no it was the people my age that oh, totally. wanted to play with them so totally we had Star uh, Star Wars was the theme of our rehearsal dinner oh my gosh that's, we might need to find some pictures to oh put there on are our, some our page there are some <laughs> and that so that's me you know and I'm grateful that I have a wife who she helps keep me in check which uh-huh. I'm great because I don't I don't. I think it would be problematic if I was married to a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> it's really good that my wife's not really into this kind of stuff. She helps helps give me balance. Mm-hmm. So, But she also doesn't like, well, what are you doing that for? What are you doing that for? Mm-hmm. She, she lets you be. She lets me be me, but she also, she's just skeptical enough at times that I, I know not to press not to press too hard in the wrong direction. And I'm glad for that. So that's very good for me. I'm a Libra. I need balance, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have anyone pulling me back. So I literally have Right like- now. Well, neither did I. I had stacks of Star Wars toys in my closet. I literally, like, we, you've, I've talked about sport. I literally have, my, my queen bed is full of Squishmallow, those stuffed animals. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be one for Halloween. I'm going trick-or-treating tomorrow. And I, I have just love that word, done. Squishmallow. Oh, they're the best toys. Oh, my gosh. So, like, that's that's so cool that you just embrace that and be able to, to have that love and support and being able to embrace your fandoms and things like that. And then you had this opportunity to do this podcast. Can you, can you tell well, me a little I, bit about I would how say that started? the opportunity for the podcast came about from the other things that I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I didn't know a lot about and didn't care enough, you know, I watched all the Star Trek shows until the, about 93. When I, once I got into my last couple of years of high school, uh, I ran out of time to watch. I didn't, I didn't actually see the final two full seasons of Next Generation until way later. I mean, I saw episodes, and of course I watched the last probably four or five episodes of Next Generation when they aired, but there was a whole stretch uh, about the launch of Deep Space Nine. I saw the first few episodes of that series. I didn't, that's I didn't, my favorite. I didn't see it all the way. And I still haven't seen I've only seen scattered episodes after the first season. Ooh. I know. I got a lot of work to do and I lots know, of I things know. to watch, but and that's one of them that's high on my list. But mm-hmm. um, towards the mid-'90s, I, I, I just didn't. And then when I when I went on a mission, obviously, I didn't. Have time, and although I did bring home a Star Wars figure from Brazil, (laughs) because that's when they started re-releasing the figures. And in the 1990s, the the Power of the Force line that Kenner put out on the red car. Oh, I can talk Star Wars toys for a long time, but uh, essentially, I I never lost the fandom. Yeah, and it it's been kind of nice to see over the years as it's become less of a thing to be mocked about. Mm -hmm. I mean, there still is some. Um, but it's nice to see, you know, one of the things that I like about fandom in general is, and part of the thing that I enjoy about the podcast, and, and we, we've we talked about this mm-hmm. with various people off the air, we've talked about it on the air. The great thing about fandom is you can hate The Last Jedi, and I can love The Last Jedi, and we can both be right. Right? Like, it's not an either or, it's not... It's becoming toxic sometimes, and and I think there's room for improvement in how we fans interact with each other. Mm-hmm. But whether the Last Jedi was good or bad, it's there. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to go away. You can try to retcon it, but it doesn't change the fact that it came out and it was made and it had Mark Hamill in it and it had uh, Daisy Ridley in it. I mean, it is there. Mm-hmm. So after that, it's just a matter of opinion, and. I liked The Last Jedi more than The Rise of Skywalker, but I'm sure there's tons of people that were flipped the other way around, and mm-hmm. and that doesn't bother me. If somebody hates The Last Jedi, I'm not going to try to. I mean, I might try to convince you that you should like it more than you do. You will. But if at the end of the day you don't like it, I'm not going to like hate you because you don't like it. It's like you I, don't. I don't understand manga. Manga. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I don't understand 
what people enjoy so much about like Japanese romance manga. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not a teenage girl, so that's part of it. But I, just because I don't get it and I may not ever be interested in it doesn't mean that that makes you stupid for liking it, whoever you may be that likes it. And I like this idea that, you know, that, that's one of the great things I think about Fanex is everybody comes together. And I may not even know who you're cosplaying as. But I think it's cool that you've got a cosplay. And even if I don't know what it is, I can tell you've put a lot of work into it. Or I kind of wish I knew who that was because that looks like you've done a really good job assembling that. Or I might even ask you, what is it? And then I might go look it up later just to right. see, hey, that's interesting. So uh, my my cousin or I guess it's my cousin's daughter. I kind of call her my niece. Mm-hmm. She went as somebody from something I had never even heard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, she told me what it was, and I was like, over the garden wall. Have oh, you ever heard I of that? Love, yes. I didn't even know what that was. I was just talking to my cousin about this. It's so good. I watched it because she dressed up as that, and then she was like, oh, look, there's somebody from over the garden wall. There's somebody from over the garden wall. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's a gnome. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it, and I was like, that was pretty cool and funny and like a weird mix-up of all these things. I'm, I'm not sure what I just watched, mm-hmm. but there was something cool about it and had Elijah oh, Wood as the voice. I would it. love to do a, a podcast on this one day because I, I love that. The music of it, I have the album, I love the story. Does it have potatoes and molasses on it? Potatoes and molasses. Oh, I'm singing. I, if you don't believe it, you might need glasses. glasses. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You see, I only saw that one time. But like, that's what's And so... I remember the lyrics. Oh, it's so good. That's yeah, what I'm saying though. So that's kind of how my brain works. But that's the kind of thing that that I like. I, I I've got. I'm going to be honest. This might sound weird, and I hope it doesn't get me in trouble with Fanex. <laughs> but when they first announced Fanex, mm-hmm. like as a concept, and that it was coming here, and that they were bringing like the stars of the Dukes of Hazard and mm-hmm. a couple of things, I was like, "What? Are you kidding me? People aren't going to go to that." Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, I've I've changed my opinion a hundred percent on this. But I was like. If you can't get me some like people from today, then what do I care? I mean, I'm not going to go pay $50. And I also didn't understand at first that, mm-hmm. that one part got you in. I thought that you, you paid 50 bucks to get in, mm-hmm. and then you had to pay for everything you did, whether it was – well, I mean, I figured autographs would cost money. That, that one I wasn't surprised. But I thought to go to the panels, you had to pay for that too. Mm-hmm. And well, it wasn't until the second year – and plus, man, it was so packed. I heard that they returned people away. Oh gosh, people were like so suffocating much fun. inside. So you didn't go the first year? No, I did not. No, I just sort of privately, even though I was a giant geek, I privately was like, well, have fun with all the B-listers from 1978. <laughs> but again, when I finally did go to one, mm-hmm. and I tell you what, once you get there and you see them, mm-hmm. you turn into like a whatever age you were when you liked that thing. Mm-hmm. If you were a Charlie's Angels fan in 1978, and you might be 50 now. And you see Cheryl Teagues, and she doesn't look anything like she did. I mean, she's, you know, she would try. And I'm just picking her at random. There's nothing implied by this. But you go from being like a 55-year-old guy to being like a 13-year-old boy again because, oh, my gosh. Or, you know, Bo and Luke Duke. Like, I liked the show when I was like seven. I've only seen parodies, so. And But if I got there and I saw Tom Wopat and John Schneider, I'd be like, I want to get a picture with them. Like, you just do. And it turns you back in. It's where all those things that you kind of imagine suddenly come alive. It's one of the reasons that I think when celebrities do appearances in costume, in character mm-hmm. at children's hospitals, I think that's the coolest thing a celebrity can ever do. Mm-hmm. I mean, coolest. I mean, the best thing they could probably do is donate more money towards the cops. But, <laughs> but the coolest thing they can do is go and, you know, even if they went as themselves, that's cool. But it, when they go in character... You know, that's the ultimate to a kid 
and a kid's parents or whatever. It's if 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 Mark Hamill came dressed as Luke Skywalker to anything, I don't care how old I am, mm-hmm. I'm turning back into an eight year old. Right. And it's like it makes it real. Mm-hmm. And, and even though I know as a grown up adult, I know that that's not real. Mm-hmm. And I, and even Mark Hamill dressed as Luke Skywalker and wanting to hang out with me and talk as Luke Skywalker, I know it's not real. Mm-hmm. And I know that all of Mark Hamill's lines were written by someone else. Like, I know all that. Yeah. But it wouldn't make a difference in that moment. It would just be, I'm not going to lose Skywalker. You get lost in the moment. Yeah. And, and so when 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 um, Chris Evans and um, who played Star-Lord? I can't think of his name. Chris Pratt yes. made a bet over the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Whoever lost had to dress in their character and go to the children's hospital in the city Aww. that won. Uh-huh. And... So he was going to, Chris Evans was going to go as Captain America and he was going to go as Star-Lord. And then at the end of the game, they both went to each other's hospitals anyway. Oh, of course. (laughs) But to have Chris Evans come in dressed as Captain America, just, that would have been the end. Like, that just would have been the best. Mm -hmm. And and I was up at Primary Children's Hospital here in Salt Lake during Fanex a couple of years ago when Ian McDiarmid and Hayden Christensen went up to the hospital and John Uh Rhys-Davies. I love John Rhys-Davies. And John Rhys-Davies was, I mean, all three of them were great. Ian McDermott, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen did a great job of just like getting down to eye level with the kids and talking mm-hmm. to them. Um, I'm not so sure that the kids knew who any of them really were, <laughs> especially because this was right after, I think, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. This was the Fanex, I think, right before The Last Jedi, I think. Okay. Could be wrong. I think so, yeah. Or, or, or it, just was between, it was between The Last Jedi. Anyway, Ian McDermott, the kids, and, and he's not in makeup. So the kids may not know Hayden Christensen. They may not be connected with because these kids are all 10 years old and maybe not seen the movie movies. hadn't even come. It was they were born after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many of them had watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but John Reese Davies, man, he was willing to go into character with the kid. Even if the kid didn't know who he was. His parents did. Mm-hmm. He would go into Gimli and it was great. And he was a great interview afterward. I got to, I talked with him. I think it's, I think if you search our uh, fan effect archive, I, the, the seven minute interview I did with him is in there. Mm-hmm. Just a, I, I love that. I love when they don't, I love when they're not like Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I've heard. I always, I, 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 Harrison Ford, I'm so glad he commits in his acting because he, he totally makes up for it the other way in mm-hmm. interacting with fans. And, and I'm okay with him. If he, that's how he feels about it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But Mark Hamill's, I think, figured out how you interact with the fans. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher figured out how to interact with the fans. She had a great line that was, you know, here's this iconic character, Princess Leia. She's mm-hmm. like, and I look exactly like her. I was like, that's a great lesson, first of all. You're not Princess Leia. But she understands that she looks like Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. So when people see her and want to see Princess Leia, she gets it. Mm-hmm. And she had fun with it. Right? And I thought that was great. Well, and I think that's the thing about fandoms is there is just childlike joy that's within it that mm-hmm. is just infectious. That so you can you do go to the fa- the fanex and different conventions and go to events and it just spreads and you are allowed to be that child and to love what you love and to interact and discuss with what you love and you don't have to yuck someone else's yum or anything like that. And that's what's that's been a good phrase. Yuck. Someone's. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. And that's when we made this podcast. That was mm-hmm. kind of what I wanted. That's how I envision it is I may not be a fan of the thing that you're telling me about. Mm-hmm. I wish, you know, sometimes I wish I was when I interviewed Samantha Smith and uh, 
Oh, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. <laughs> the guy who plays Lucifer in Supernatural. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Supernatural. They both came to Fanex a few yeah, years ago, and I got to interview both of them. I got to interview him before Fanex, and then I got to just talk to him for a minute at Fanex. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did some re- I hadn't ever really watched Supernatural, so I did a whole bunch of research. Mm-hmm. And as I was, you know, finding out about the show, because I wanted to converse intelligently with them, and, you know, I didn't want Supernatural fans to come on and be like, oh, it's obvious this person's never watched the show. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask the right questions that somebody who did know Supernatural really well would feel like they got a question answered that they would want to know something about. And, and and both the stars were really, really cool. And as I read through it, I was like, I think I need to watch this show. Right? <laughs> and so that to me is kind of the fun. When I have, you know, you know, my goal for, for Fan Effect is if somebody comes on that is a fan of something that I don't know about, then I'm going to, I kind of want to interview you about what makes you a fan. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you've thought about it or, or maybe if you hadn't thought about it, just sort of saying why it is you're a fan of it kind of helps codify it in your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you'll convince me to check out something that I maybe wouldn't check out. Mm-hmm. Or I maybe wouldn't check out if I just was randomly looking for things to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But a passion that you have for it over the garden wall. My cousin was my niece was so excited about it that I was like, All right, I'll check it out. And then I ended up liking it. It's contagious. Um I'm trying to think what you a fan of what, me? Well, I'm trying to think what you were a fan of that you were telling me was great. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, no, maybe that was somebody else. I don't know. I cut, well, we always are chatting. I, I, I go and I, um, I do a different radio show in the mornings and he's here in the mornings and I go, I'm like, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And so we, we have a lot of fun conversations about it and a lot well, of teasing. I like, dis- I like discussing things. thoughts about things. You know, mm-hmm. uh, our original host of, of the podcast, Tyson and Adam, um, had him super passionate about Star Trek and mm-hmm. I work with him every morning. And so with lower decks, with, uh, discovery Picard, all those things, we end up talking about it. And, and if I don't know some reference, I can ask Adam and I know he'll know it like instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. And we, you know, he and I bonded over talking Tyson and I bonded over Star Wars, mm-hmm. Adam and I bonded over Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, you know, some of the other things from the late two thousands. And it just, you know, Otherwise, well, there would be no connection. Otherwise, and it's and it suddenly really there is a make connection. Friends, it, that's what's so cool about storytelling and fandoms. You can make friends. You don't really make enemies. Even like your frenemies, where I'm Star Wars and you're a Star Trek type of situation. Right. You still are friends. I think there's room and for everything. about it, right? That's like there like may not us. be room at the Salt Palace because <laughs> there's not enough space for everybody. But there is room, in my opinion, in fandom for everybody's fandom, and mm-hmm. and really. I, I don't have anything against any fandom. I just want you to tell me why you like it. Why do you connect with it? Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope to do. I hope to, if I'm interviewing a celebrity or, or of any kind, is to try to understand why people connected with the character that's made them a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And then just find out something interesting that, that a fan would want to know. And if I'm interviewing or if we're talking about a subject that I may not be as passionate about, I want to pull out of you, whoever I'm talking to, what it is that makes you so passionate about it because, hey, maybe you'll convince me to like it. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's um, let's go ahead and we're going to – we've taken a long first segment here. Let's go ahead and take a bit of a break and then we'll come back. And I want to dig a little bit more into what your, um, what your favorite uh, movies are, favorite films are, and maybe a little bit of where your vision for where this podcast um, will go is, okay? Okay. All right, sounds great. Let's go ahead and we'll go into break. I'm Dave Cauley 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Fan Effect. Uh, We are celebrating Andy's birthday today and putting him into the guest seat to learn a little bit more about him and more about the podcast that he started. And um, I am so excited to be learning more. I had so much fun talking about just fandoms in general with you and just discussing these, uh, uh, discussing the joy that comes from that. That's so cool. It is. It's it's fun, you know, in a, in a world where there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot to worry about. There's um, disease, mm-hmm. you know, there's dissension, um, but there's also Star Trek, Star Wars, well, Spider-Man. You, right? There's all these good things. Things you- that you can escape into. And another great thing, honestly, about fandom mm-hmm. and pop culture in general, it's it's not designed generally or it never has been, hence the term pop culture. It's like mm-hmm. kind of meant to be kind of temporary. The same stuff that's popular in 1970 is not going to be popular in 1990. Mm-hmm. Or if it is, it's only because it's gone through a whole entire cycle and come back to it. Yeah. Um, but everything, no matter what you love, this is where I don't, kind of don't get the people getting angry about you know, how Star Wars may have changed or how mm-hmm. Star Trek may have changed or Spider-Man or whatever. Because all the stuff that you loved is still there. Mm-hmm. Now, I do get that you kind of want new stuff that you want to enjoy and try to enjoy it the same way as you did. So I, I do understand that. But when it's all said and done, all the stuff that you loved is still there. You can go back and enjoy it again. Right. I mean, I you don't, don't have to hate the new stuff. You don't have to watch it either. You don't have to consume it. But you don't necessarily have to hate it or, you know, petition Disney to burn it down kind of a thing. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. Okay, but anyway. No, it's true, though. Like, I always go back to the animates, the Batman the Animated Series because that's my absolute favorite. I might not like some of the newer stuff coming out, but I always have that And foundation. all those episodes are still there. Oh, they're so you good. You got Kevin Conroy's voice. You got oh, brand new Harley Quinn as a new character. Mm-hmm. And those are still there. And it doesn't, I mean, how many times have you seen your favorite movie? Whatever it is. Oh, my gosh. Jaws. I can't A hundred times? I Wait, but- Spoiler alert, like you know what happens each time you watch it. But you enjoy it each time you watch it. The show's the thing. Mm-hmm. The play's the thing, I think, is also a way they phrase it. But we don't necessarily go to things just because they're new. Mm-hmm. That is fun. We go back to things that we love because we love them. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, you can, I can quote you every line from some of these movies, but I still like watching them. Mm-hmm. I can tell you how many times, if I see any of Star Trek 2, I'm probably going to watch it till it's over. You'll be pulled in. I will. Uh-huh. Or I'll just quote it the rest of the day and play it out the rest of it in my mind. Um, those those kinds of things, it doesn't have to be new. You can still enjoy the stuff that you had before. They're not taking it away. 
with the exception of the original version of Star Wars, which <laughs> you can still find on DVD, <laughs> but you, you still can enjoy the things the way you enjoyed them before. Well, I bet it's been really fun as you've been doing the podcast to go back and revisit some of these older films as well as the the new. Yeah, I wish I had more time in out. a day. Honestly, I wish I had more than twenty four hours in a day so I could catch up on some of the things that I wanted. Right, to do. we're always talking about. That. But I got kids too, and I got I got to give I got to give right times to right mm-hmm. things. That's where I've been lucky having the the quick memory. Is I you're so lucky. Uh, <laughs> so, what has been some of your favorite podcasts that you've done over the years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, you know what's interesting to me is when I interview somebody who I maybe didn't know much about when they asked to line up the interview, mm-hmm. especially at FanX, and then after after doing a little bit of research on them uh, and then talking to them, I end up like, wow, that was a really good interview. I really enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the funnest ones I ever did was for a movie that hardly anybody saw. It was more of a local release. Uh, Tim Timmerman, Hope of America. It's actually only available to watch on VidAngel right now. Uh-huh. This the streaming service and VidAngel Studios actually produced the movie. It was shot here in Utah by somebody who was my age and about, and it's set in 1994, uh-huh. which is the year I graduated high school. So like, there was a lot of personal connections to it, but it was just fun talking with the the guy who made the movie about it. We did some interviews up at Sundance. I just had a blast with people that I'd never heard of before, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard their name much since. Uh, the guy we interviewed for f- the movie Future 38, that was just a blast. I still want to see that movie. You know, the the topics that we talked about, you know, I really enjoyed the Joker podcast, even though I really Gosh. didn't enjoy the movie. Uh-huh, it it makes was you a think. great topic. Um, mm-hmm. One of the shows we did for Ghost in the Shell um, way back, did some great ones with Aaron Zundel. Um, he was really a, a great driving force as we got the, the podcast and, and really tried to figure out what the good vision for it was. And uh, I still miss him. Mm-hmm. It was, I almost quit doing it after, oh. uh, after he died. And, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't think he would have wanted me to stop. He just, uh, I try to keep how, what the things he was trying to show me in mind, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have a specific favorite, um, more of a but I, I enjoy them. I enjoyed doing them. I, I don't think there's ever been one where I was like, that just sucked. <laughs> Thankfully. Thank you for saying that because I, I sometimes feel like, oh, that I should have said something different. Well, and I, sure, there's times where I think I probably could have done a better job at this segment or done a better job on mm-hmm. that segment. But, you know, we make it and then hopefully we learn and hopefully we do a better mm-hmm. job when given a second opportunity. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So as you move forward, then what kind of stuff do you want to cover? Well, I don't have anything that I'm limiting it to. Uh-huh. Um, if somebody's got something interesting and fan fun and, you know, I kind of think, well, what is good in an audio format? Because yeah. some things work better visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the guys from the Saber Legion would be awesome. But is that like lightsabers? They, yeah. They build them or stuff? They build them and then they kind of... They have clubs where they learn how to do different kinds oh, of combat so they can so they can do. So I, I heard of one that's a Twi'lek, and that's like one I want to do, a cosplay group where you make like your tails and stuff. That might be a fun one. I mm-hmm. think it's pronounced Twi'lek. Twi'lek? Okay. I think. I always see it spelled out, but not really right. said. That's okay. But they're the ones with the double tails in the Star Wars but universe. Star, like Wars is, and... Star Wars is one where I'm, that's one I'm pretty fluent in. <laughs> Uh, I joke around that I can beat Star Wars Trivial Pursuit in one turn. You must teach me because I'm still a Padawan. Well, that's okay. You got to watch it a lot more times. <laughs> a lot more times. Um, but Star Wars is probably my biggest fandom. Uh-huh. Um, that's what I have the most stuff in. That's the stuff I still get gifts for. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes it stinks to get pigeonholed into a specific fandom because, well, at least the way I am, 
I'm very specific about the things I want to own. Uh-huh. So I usually buy them for myself. Mm-hmm. But then when holidays or gifts, birthdays roll around, people give you other stuff from that fandom that I look at it and, and, and I do appreciate the sentiment and I'm glad that they love me and that they think I think he would like this. Mm-hmm. But I just think as soon as I get it, what am I going to do with this? Like You don't need to do anything with it. The gift has been given and the, it's been And then shown. I'm going to probably need to re-gift it to No. No. I... Anyway, that's the one yeah. drawback of being pigeonholed into something. But mm-hmm. um, I've always been a big Marvel Comics fan. Mm-hmm. You got me into Spider-Man. I'm very grateful. Spider-Man's always Marvel been my favorite. Verse. Captain America right up there. Cyclops with the X-Men. Um, it's been great to see those things come into mainstream starting in 2000 with the X-Men movie. Um, I remember in the mid-90s when they were talking about making an X-Men movie and they were going to get to Clint Eastwood to be Wolverine. And they were talking even back then about Patrick Patrick Stewart as Professor X. So when they actually pulled that off in 2000, that was not much of a surprise. Mm -hmm. But Clint Eastwood was short and kind of growly sounding and older looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wolverine's not supposed to look young. Ah, I don't know. Because he's been around forever. But at the same time... is so solid in my mind. Oh, yeah, no. He was the perfect Mm -hmm. casting choice. It'll be interesting to see who they cast to be... I met him. Oh, you you sniffed him before? He owes me a kiss. He owes me a kiss. We'll tell you you later. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think if there was... Honestly, if there's a celebrity Uh that I would love to interview, there's no question is Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah. No oh, question. Wow. First of all, he's really great. Mm-hmm. He tells great stories. I've probably heard a good chunk of the stories he's ever told. In fact, sometimes I have to remind myself that other people who are listening to this story probably haven't heard this. Yeah. Because I have. Sometimes you'll say things that I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so he would be just so fun to talk to. And mm-hmm. he seems generally open and he... He'll answer questions honestly, mm-hmm. even if it gets him in trouble later. He's one of my favorites to follow on Twitter, just for that reason. And he loves to do voices. I mean, he's a great for an an aural medium, an audio medium that that we do working in the podcast. And mm-hmm. if you ever made a podcast, I'd probably listen to it religiously. Oh but mm-hmm. um, he's my favorite Joker because of the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think if I. I don't think I have a favorite Joker. I. But you're not as much DC. So I'm, I'm not. I, I don't yeah. dislike DC. And every time I read DC, I think I got to read more DC. Mm-hmm. Then I don't. There's some good ones. The, the long I don't Halloween. like how DC reboots everything so regularly. I, I struggle with that. And I'm an avid fan. And my dream is to work there and everything. So I can understand that. But, but that doesn't mean I hate it. I just, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I haven't ever, you know, given hard, given myself hardcore into that fandom. But, mm-hmm. um, Every time I read it, I enjoy it, and I try to keep up with it. But there's other people I can call on for expert advice, like you, Don Brinkerhoff. <laughs> Don's great. Uh, but yeah, I, I I still, I mean, if you look at my Plex server, I have Battle of the Planets cartoons on there. Mm-hmm. I've got lots of superhero cartoons on there. Mm-hmm. Lots of superhero cartoons. Voltron. Um, Star Trek. I got a lot of, uh, maybe half of my TV show stuff. Is fandom related in one way or another? Too, I have entire yeah. libraries that are full of fandom. It's Disney, DC Comics. Got a lot of Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got a lot of Looney Tunes. I love Looney Tunes. I'm just really getting into more Looney Tunes and Scooby Doo and stuff. So I think that would be fun as explore. Yeah, the farther you go back explore. into Looney Tunes, it, 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 the sketchier it gets but as regards to it. race and everything. But these they days. don't hide it. Which oh, is that's good. true. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's nothing I don't like. But I find myself. Realizing that there's just not enough hours in the day to keep up with all the content that's coming out, which is good because it means I'll always have something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wish that so many films hadn't been pushed to 2021, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's kind of glad because it's been hard to keep up Mm -hmm. with these extra seven months without new releases has given me some time to catch up to stuff that I've had to leave. It's kind of like your email box, right? If you don't keep up with your email box, eventually you've got 400 unread messages that you're probably never getting back to. You're so much smarter than me. I've spent this time rewatching like Firefly and Serenity and Jaws for like the zillionth time. And, and Batman. Wrong with I should have gone to new ones. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's great to have mac and cheese, have your comfort food. And, I, 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 and I've done that too. I did go watch Titans and Doom Patrol and things like and that. See, I still haven't watched those yet. <laughs> but. There's there's just so much content that you uh, trying to find a mix of watching the stuff you love, learning new stuff. I just realize I'm, there's never going to be a time where I can get around to everything that's out there that might be worth watching, worth my time. And you know, I'm I, I'll just tell you right now, I'm never going to watch The Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, I may or may not ever watch Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm too far behind there. That's the I pile of laundry that you don't know where to start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people could give me a, a skinny list, but the way my brain works. I can't just chop up. I can't jump episodes. I feel like I have to watch everyone in between. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm weirdly completist like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. And so, but I just try to do what I can do. To me, what's fun about having kids is rewatching some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could rewatch it myself, but then I feel like I was just saying where I, I probably should be watching something I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But if I'm rewatching something I have seen with someone else who hasn't seen it, then it's justified. <laughs> So, I don't feel like so just drag someone else who hasn't seen it to watch it, and then you can feel like you're justified watching Jaws for the hundredth time. Oh my gosh, I love Jaws. <laughs> um, I, I think what's cool though is I've been so I I I started guesting on your podcast, and then I started um, I was I've subscribed to it and listened to it, and it's been really fun as I've been listening to it. As I've kind of been able to pick and choose according to the topic, but it's helped me to find shows I might not have been interested in, find films I might not have been interested in. And something you may notice about me, if you've listened for a long time, you may already know this, but mm-hmm. if you're new to the podcast, I'm a pretty positive mm-hmm. reviewer. I don't, I can only think of maybe a couple of movies I ever saw where I just hated every minute of it. Uh-huh. And I can only think of one movie that I've never finished. Wow, you're better than me. And that was Toys with Robin Williams. Uh-huh. Just couldn't stand it. I guess I just didn't get the vibe it was going for, but I didn't enjoy it. And then there's Invaders from Mars, which if you go back and listen to one of the early podcasts from 2016, we talked about movies then stuff that scarred us as kids. Yeah. Saw that when I was probably 11. Fire in the Sky. Uh, terrified me. I'm terrified of aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. But for Invaders from Mars... I, same thing. There's a scene where the, where the Martian invaders come. They start taking over adults, and the kid you're following the kid's perspective in the story. And the part where I finally just gave up and I went and sat in a hundred degree car rather than finish this movie uh-huh. oh was he goes in to tell his teacher uh, and the, and the Martians once the Martians like shoot the thing into the people's brain. I hate aliens. I know it's horrible. The the adults are weird and they like they like to eat meat or something like that. So like the mom is like this zombie and she Is it rated R? No, it was PG. And, okay. My dad took us. It was a two uh-huh. for one. It was a double feature at the dollar movie. So that should tell you the quality when they package two films together. No retreat, no surrender. Stupid, stupid karate film. Uh-huh. And then Invaders from Mars. My dad was like, I think they were one of them was rated zero stars really? in the review. Turkey was what it was in the Deseret News at the time. My dad was like, I just want you guys to see what a turkey film is like. So and that scarred you we for watched, life. Well, No Retreat, No Surrender was the ghost of Bruce Lee trains a kid how to be a kickboxer. It's okay, I'd watch really that. bad. I'd watch that, though. Um, 
And then Invaders from Mars, and it's like schlocky horror. And the part that got me was the kid goes in to tell his science teacher about something. It's this old lady. And, of course, they set the scene really well. The shades are all drawn in the classroom, and the teacher's in her little office with the lights turned low. So the kid, like, kind of tiptoes in, and and then he goes to get the teacher's attention. And she turns around, and she's got, like, a live frog in her mouth with the legs wiggling. No. And, like, obviously the kid's not supposed to have seen this, and the teacher... <laughs> just freaking me out I thinking see, about it. You should see his face right now. The I wish there was like, a video here. The teacher, like is like swallowing it and shaking the head back and forth to finish off the frog. And the kid's like, ah, and runs out. And I got up and I was like, I can't, I got to go. I got to go sit in the car. That's, that's fire. And I went and sat in the car for uh, an extra 40 minutes while my dad and older brother finished watching the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. They, they, that's stories. They impact you. They stick with you. They, they yeah. change who you are. It took me that years was one to of my favorite podcasts was talking about the, Movies that scarred us as a ch- as children. That was a fun one. Who, who was who was your guest? Tyson and uh, Tyson? And, and Adam. We just oh, talked gosh. about. We had to pick it out, and that, that was one of mine. Hated that one. A little fandom therapy. <laughs> what is your favorite movie then? Like you've talked about all these different things. Well, I mean, Star Wars for sure. Mm-hmm. The original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, is my favorite. That's um, the second one, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kellyanne, you can't I say know. that on this podcast. I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like I said, um, I have a bad specific memory, but I have a big heart. <laughs> but movies that I just love, I just love Star Trek Two of all the Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. just because, I don't know, it's just, it was really well done. Yeah. And great music, great tension, great drama, sadness, mm-hmm. still chokes me up, even though Spock dies. Oh, spoiler for a movie 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, even though Spock dies and then comes back, it's still just the, the way it's all handled was just mm-hmm. superbly done. And then here's one of my favorite movies that people are surprised maybe a little bit. I think that The Mask of Zorro is one of the perfect movies. There's some great stuff in it. Yeah, I think it is. When I say a perfect movie, meaning it's got stuff for the guys and the girls. Mm-hmm. It's got heroism. I love saber sword combat in movies. I think that's the best combat in a movie. It's choreographed when it's done right. It's just perfectly suited for movies. Mm-hmm. I like the music in that one too. That's a, it's a really oh yeah, it's the James soundtrack. Horner scored that one. Mm-hmm. It's really respectful of the uh, the Lichinix culture and everything like that. I yeah, that's a good movie. And it just. It's got Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. It's got Antonio Banderas. It's got Catherine Zeta-Jones, who has never, ever looked better than she did in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also not just like a wallflower in the movie either. And that's why I say it's got everything. This is so surprising. I've never known that those are types of films that you're like. That's so cool. Swashbuckling. Heroes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm telling you. Like you like swashbuckling. Uh, oh, my gosh. I said that weird. Swashbuckling, swashbuckling heroes. heroes. Princess Bride's great. I mean, love Princess Bride. Uh, I like things that make me laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, a great action movie to me has to have good comedic lines. Yeah. Mask of Zorro has it. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of them. It He's like, yes, villains. you would have fought very bravely and died very quickly. <laughs> and, you know, it just Anthony Hopkins has the best lines in that. Or uh, when Elena's in the confessional, I actually had that as a ringtone for a while. I need to go back and watch this again. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been three days since my last confession. And he's hiding out <laughs> yeah. in the confession with he's like he doesn't even know who it is. He's like, Three days. How many sins could you have committed in three days? Come back when you have more time. She's like, What? And then he sees who it is and he's like, Never mind, Senorita. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, because he learns a little more. Um But I just 
you know, if you rate movies on a one to ten, that's one of my rated ten movies. Yeah, I love the Avengers, the original Avengers movie. Just the the awesomeness of seeing all those people on screen together was unbelievable, and it's something you just never thought you were going to see. Let alone looking that cool and let. I mean, you can forgive that Captain America's costume looks kind of <laughs> janky, and they got away from it as quickly as they could. Mm-hmm. But it just was so awesome, and you know. I don't have a lot of movies where I'd say 10, but Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back, uh, Star Trek II, uh, The Two Towers from The Lord of the Rings uh, love, love, love. is a 10 movie for me. Of the Harry Potter series, my favorite is Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, 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 yes. Um, it's also the best of the books. So I, I like stuff where there's good versus evil. Mm-hmm. I like good to win. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, of course it needs to be a tough thing for them to get through, mm-hmm. but that that's what speaks to me, and so that's the kind of stuff that I tend to enjoy the most. There has to be hope and, and comedy. I love comedy. Yes, there has to be hope that comes yes. out of it. Like that's why I don't like movies without hope. I don't like mm-hmm. stories without hope. I don't like, I don't like movies that are just bleak for bleakness' sake. Mm-hmm. I know that's a philosophical thing, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't enjoy that personally. Yeah, I don't like to go there. Is that do you apply the same logic to like your favorite books or TV shows? Um, you know. I go through phases on books. Yeah. Like sometimes I like reading biographies. Sometimes I like reading just straight nonfiction. I mean, I loved all of John Grisham's stuff in the 90s. I just I like that fast read. You get me into the story. Let me follow mm-hmm. along. I like mysteries that get solved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that have arguments that make you think in ways that maybe you don't. Uh, I don't know. Stuff that you might appreciate more as you get older and have more life experience. Law and Order was fine when I was teenager early 20s but now that i have some life experience and i rewatch episodes i'm like that's an interesting argument like i i see things in a different way than i did before it hits you different 1984 yeah. is so different now i should read that oh you need to i, read I was almost... supposed to have read a brave new world in high school and uh-huh. i didn't that was the one book that year that i just faked on all the tests <laughs> and now they actually have a series on peacock based on it really but i need to watch but now i'm regretting not having read the book mm-hmm so I can go back and read it, but um, it, it would hit different now. Like 1984, I read that almost every year, and it's I haven't read it this year because 2020 is too insane. It's too anyway, 1984. <laughs> it's too 1984. But it, it hits you different. Like what I understood as a high school senior versus what I know now as a woman in my early 30s, it's totally different. Ugh, I love, I love talking about storytelling. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Really, when it's all said and done, that's what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the power of story. Yeah. Um, the, the people who are good at writing stories, you know, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. you know, Ronald Moore, who was one of the, I thought the better TV writers of the last couple of generations, Ronald D. Moore, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, I, I've actually gotten to the point where I try to pay attention to who wrote episodes of a TV show or mm-hmm. who wrote a movie. That's never, I never cared about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm understanding better. You know, what the process that goes in and what what's good writing. And um, to me, somebody who can write good dialogue that also sounds realistic because snappy dialogue that's back and forth is fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've always thought no one is ever having that conversation at that pace. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah. I could. I wish I could think <laughs> that quick. But. For a long time, I believed that there were people who could think and respond that quickly, and it mm-hmm. took me a while to realize. <laughs> Sometimes they got to condense these things for time. They can't have a movie that takes as long as it takes for you to have some of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because podcasts weren't around then. Now we can take as long as we need. No, it's so it's so different from live radio. I love it. (laughs) But I I do think that the power of story, allegory and story, you know, whether we believe it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we even acknowledge it or not, Mm -hmm. it's it's you know, it's very real. It's how we make sense of the world. It's how we understand things and, um, you know, religion, Mm -hmm. especially. Uh, but I, I just, I like story. I, I think you could, I think you could make an argument and I'd have a hard time defending myself that I maybe spend too much time in story and not enough time in real life. But it is nice to have stories to try to help you process what you experience in life. But but again, and I'll say this, you do got to live some life too. <laughs> the stories are great, but you got to live some of the life too so that you can you can combine them together and I think that living life helps enrich the stories that you choose to enjoy or maybe helps you write them someday. Mhm. So, there you go. I love it. Well, and you've been able to bring that into this podcast so well and I'm so grateful that you've allowed me to be uh, involved in this story and be able to help you to, to move it forward and everything like that. It's good to have you, you know, great oh. enthusiasm. And that's, you know, <laughs> I, so that's fun. what we need. We always have enthusiasm and, and that, you know, enthusiasm is contagious. That's why I never want to be the yuck to yum, because I do believe you're, you're right. If you like it, you're right. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it. Okay. You're right, too. Mm-hmm. Let's all just get along. Let's all get along and enjoy our fandoms. Well, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain today for your birthday. Happy, happy, happy birthday. You're welcome. If anybody wants to ask me a question on our Facebook page, I'll mm-hmm. answer it. Yes, and you can If follow- you care enough. I don't know if you care enough. But. <laughs> um, and you can also submit ideas, uh, too, for the podcast on our Facebook page. You can find us at Fan Effect Show. Um, and you can also find us at Instagram at Fan Effect Show and Twitter at Fan Effect Show. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite platform. We'll be on there. Or you can listen to us on KSLNewsRadio.com, the KSL News Radio app. Um, what else do you say to close? Spotify. Spotify. You can say it. Teach me. We're also on Spotify. Really, pretty much anywhere you get a podcast, you can find us. Just search for Fan Effect, E-F-F-E-C-T. And... Uh, Give us a listen. I think you'll like us. Oh, yeah. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.